1: A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N Podsurvey.com Artofman Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Over the past year, my 12-year-old son has been doing one challenge every week as a rite of passage and a chance to earn a special trip. Some of these challenges have involved reading a book in a week, and the most recent book we gave him was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. His review? He said it was the best book he's read so far. So, a book written almost 90 years ago can still be a favorite of a kid in the 21st century. Talk about some staying power. The advice on How to Win Friends and Influence People and Dale Carnegie's other classic, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, is timeless. But to help introduce it to a new audience, my guest, Joe Hart, has recently co-authored the book, Take Command, which synthesizes, updates, and adds to the principles of Carnegie's two perennial bestsellers. Joe is the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie & Associates, which continues Carnegie's work in the present day. And we begin our conversation with some background on the guy who kicked off this work back in 1936. We then talk about what principles we can take from how to stop worrying and start living on developing a positive mindset. From there we talk about the big overarching principle of how to win friends and influence people and how you can use it to improve your relationships. We end our conversation with how to live life with more intentionality and meaning. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is/carnegie. All right, Joe Hart, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks, Brett. Glad to be here. So you are the president of Dale Carnegie and Associates. Um, Dale Carnegie, he famously wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, and How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Uh, Let's talk about Dale first, like big picture. What are those books about that he wrote and uh, how did Dale Carnegie's background put him in a position to write these classic books?
0: Yeah, Dale Carnegie is one of the most incredible people. I've, I've always loved biographies, reading about people. His life is truly was an extraordinary one, and he was very, he was brilliant in terms of his insights. But he started in a in a really nondescript way. He was born on a farm in Missouri. He was fairly poor, uh, and he he had a, a struggling childhood. A wonderful, warm family, parents who loved him, a brother, a good, you know, a nice family uh, that supported him, but they they, they struggled. And the reason why that's important is that he really always had the sense of wanting to overcome poverty and, and establish a level of security. His parents had moved near a college when he was uh, in his teen years so that he could attend college. And he did. And in, in that experience, he discovered that he had a gift for debate, for public speaking and so forth. And that kind of instilled in him a, a desire to really uh, to to learn and and to leverage that. He started after college in sales. Uh, he had one sales experience that wasn't great, and then he went on to become really an extraordinary salesperson for the Armour Meat Packing Company. And rather than going into management, he decided to go to New York City. And at that time, he wanted to uh, to study acting. Uh, he discovered that he was not a great actor, and ultimately, in 1912, began offering classes at the YMCA in, in New York City, on public speaking, you know, and there he was, he's at the front of the room, and he was you know teaching techniques of public speaking and and he was running out of things to say. so he started to invite the participants up to the room as he started to notice that they were getting bored, and he discovered you know just the power of having someone stand up in front of an audience and and try to present and articulate themselves, and the fear and the lack of confidence, all the different things that went, went along that. And so that was the beginning in 1912 of the Dale Carnegie Chorus, now 110 years later plus, and, you know, so many millions and millions of people who've taken that program. uh, It started around public speaking, but what he discovered was that it was really more about even human relations and the things that hold us back and how do we
1: overcome the limiting beliefs that we have. So how to win friends and influence people. This was written in the 1930s, correct? Right, 1936. 1936. And this came out of a, a course he was teaching. And then tell us about the impact. I mean, we're talking about it today, but what influence or what impact did it have on the culture when it first came out? It, it was an
0: immediate cultural phenomenon. And it was interesting. You think about you're you know, still in the midst of the depression and challenges and so forth. And even prior to the book, I mean, the book was an outgrowth, as you said correctly, Brett, from from the courses. In fact the way the book came about was because there was a man named Leon Shimkin who worked for Simon and Schuster, who was taking one of Dale's programs. He said, this is fantastic. You know, you should really turn this into a book. And Dale didn't originally want to do that. But Leon Shimkin convinced him to at least let us kind of record what you're doing. And that, that became How to Win Friends and Influence People, or at least the first version of it. But when that book came out in 1936, Dale himself didn't know what to expect But it immediately became a success, and it's been a best-selling book now for over 85 years. It's one of the top-selling books of the 20th century, correct? Yeah, it's certainly uh, one of the top books, uh, best-selling books of all time. In fact, the New York Public Library not long ago did a survey of of the most checked-out books ever, and that was, uh, I think, in the top five. Time had listed as one of the most influential books uh, ever as well. So the impact of this, and the reason why this book has been so successful is I think Number one, Dale Carnegie had a phenomenal ability to tell stories. And, and really, the, the book is about stories, but it's about the insights about how people can interact with each other more successfully. And, and for people to read this, they have their own epiphanies about either the relationships that they have or things that they need to do or how they can advance in their lives or in their in their careers. And so it's been a catalyst for so many people to just, you know, ignite. Uh, amazing results in their lives, which is why, you know, you and I were talking before we started just about having your son, you know, read How to Win Friends. And so many people will tell me that that their their father, their mother had them read How to Win Friends in their teenage years. We just had an international convention in New York City, and some of the speakers, you know, is, is hugely successful business people had said that, you know, that that I read this book when I was younger, and it had this, it was
1: formative, it was foundational in terms of
0: my life and my career and everything that followed.
1: How does the uh, Dale Carnegie and Associates company carry on the work laid down by Dale Carnegie? Because I was surprised that there's still a Dale Carnegie company. It's going strong in 2023. Yeah, thankfully,
0: stronger than ever. We are an organization that has 200 operations in over 80 countries. So we're a global organization. We've got thousands of people that are part of Dale Carnegie. We operate uh, you know, regionally. And so you can actually take a Dale Carnegie program uh, in person, or you could take one online. But- But there are a number of different things that we're we're teaching. So one of the programs is the Dale Carnegie course. I mean, if you Googled Dale Carnegie and Warren Buffett, you'd watch a video of him talking about how when he took the Dale Carnegie course as a young young person, it completely just changed everything for him. His life would not be the same. That's the Dale Carnegie course. That course is about interpersonal skills and self-confidence and leadership and stress and worry, um, really how to present effectively and we have individuals that will take that course. We'll have companies that will bring us in and, and we'll provide that really as a, as a cultural tool to help create stronger, more higher performing uh, teams in organizations. We work with you know uh, 400 of the Fortune 500 uh, companies. But that program is the one that he had started. It's changed over the years, but it's available in 32 languages. We've got
1: leadership programs and sales programs and a whole range of other kinds of things. So I was thinking about when I discovered Dale Carnegie, and it was in high school. I don't remember how I found it. I think I might have just stumbled upon it in Barnes & Noble and picked it up and bought it and just like, oh, this is great, underlined it, highlighted it. I'm curious, how did you discover Dale Carnegie, and how did his work change your life? It's interesting, Brett. My experience was maybe a little bit similar to
0: yours in the sense that I was I was a teenager and my father... My father had a huge influence on me. He always believed that life was about personal growth, and he was talking about goal setting and different kinds of things. And one of the things he shared with me was Dale Carnegie. He I gave me mean, how to win friends and influence people. And admittedly, you know, I, I'd love to tell you that I read that cover to cover over and over at that time. And and you know, I it, I really I didn't. I read it and I thought it was great. I was really impressed by what I read, and I thought about my father and just how you know amazing my dad was to interacting with other people. But it planted the seed even more so that when I was in my 20s, I was a young lawyer and I wanted to take a Dale Carnegie course. And I I wanted to do that just because I wanted to invest in myself and and advance my career and so forth. And that was one of the most defining moments of my life, um, walking into that class, because it, it truly helped me change my view of myself. It gave me skills in terms of how to interact with people more effectively. I think as a young lawyer, I was a little bit Oh, hard-edged, arrogant, uh, maybe not particularly empathetic, and it just completely opened my eyes. And people started to notice immediately. They like, "Gosh, what's you know, you you seem very different," and so forth. I really started to apply the Dale Carnegie principles. It it also challenged me on vision. So, one of the things that in early in a Dale Carnegie program, you know, we talk about is you know living an intentional life. And so many people go through their lives and they they just. Find themselves older, and they say, "Gosh, I didn't do the things I wanted to do. I didn't take the chances I wanted. I didn't really. I just life passed me by." And and the program says, "What's your vision for yourself? What's your vision for yourself in six months? What's your vision for yourself in years?" And so I ultimately decided to leave the practice of law because I said, "You know, I I may be a successful lawyer, but I'm not necessarily a happy lawyer." And I went into business from there, and in fact. It was Dale Carnegie that inspired me to start my first business because that first business was an e-learning company in 2000 that was all about helping people apply things that they learn in training programs. And in fact, Dale Carnegie became my first client. I developed e-learning programs in the early 2000s for Dale Carnegie that were used in multiple languages
1: and countries all over the world. So you got a new book out that you co-authored with Michael Crom called Take Command. Find your inner strength, build enduring relationships, and live the life you want. And what you've done, you've, you've taken the ideas from Dale Carnegie and you've updated them for the 21st century. And to be clear, what I love about Dale Carnegie is his stuff's timeless. The things that are applied in 1936 are still applicable today, but things are different. We have the internet now. We have online communication. That didn't exist when Dale wrote these books. And then also what's interesting too is a lot of the insights that Dale had in his books about social relationships and confidence. It's been interesting to see in the past 20 years, those ideas being verified by psychology or the social sciences. And you talk about those uh, insights in this book. You divide the book into three parts. And uh, the first part, you focus on taking command of your thoughts and emotions. And this was a big theme in Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying. And I love how to stop worrying. Whenever I have those periods in my life when I'm just, things are going crazy and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I always bust out that book, flip open on a random page, and you'll find some insight that will like, oh, okay, that gives me some perspectives, gives me a tool. Let's talk about getting a handle on our thoughts. What advice did Dale have about avoiding negative thinking? Thinking, Because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with.
0: Yeah, it's interesting just to go back to what you're saying, because How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, maybe the lesser known of Dale Carnegie's books. And yet, in so many ways, particularly given all that we've gone through over the past several years and all the stress in the world, is such a meaningful and valuable book. And in fact, that book for me was a critical one in terms of challenges I faced during the pandemic and leading a company, leading a global company and all the stress and so forth. But that book really outlines his thinking about You know, it's how to stop worrying and start living. And that really comes down to how do we manage our thoughts and our emotions. And he had a whole range of of principles um, that he talked about. I'll talk about a couple of those in, in a moment. But I think the big epiphany for me is when he really talks about the power of our mindset. He's not using the word mindset like we might today, but the power of our thoughts. And how you can have two people in the exact same situation with the same set of facts that one person is miserable and, and the other person is thrilled. And what's the difference? The difference is how we think and the things that we tell ourselves and how we process our thoughts. And, and so much of how to stop worrying and start living is really getting people to think about their thoughts and and to change their thoughts and to look at things, you know, differently. And and sometimes people will say, well, is that just simply changing You know, you know, you're you're overlooking challenges, or you're you're living with uh, rose-colored glasses, or something. That's not it at all. I mean, Dale Carnegie was a realist, and certainly went through challenges in his life. But his point would be that if you if you focus on the right frame or way of thinking, you can overcome challenges far more effectively than if all you're doing is focused on problems and so forth. So, you know, some of the different you know techniques that he talked about, and some of the different. You know, maybe uh, ideas, you know, which today we might say, well, of course, that seems obvious, but at the time, maybe not so much. And the other thing we say, Brett, is that that often these things are are common sense, but they're not common practice. You know, but but actually taking a step and and filling your mind with thoughts of peace, and courage, health, and hope, you know you so what are the things I'm saying to myself? What are the things I'm observing? What are the things I'm thinking? So if I think back about the pandemic, I mean, this, this was a pivotal idea for me because there was a point in time where my mind was just going to the worst possible outcomes and results as all these things were happening. And it's like, well, wait a second, you know, if in fact you know every action is an opposite and equal reaction and this is an unprecedented crisis where's where's the opportunity here we we flipped and changed our entire business significantly and and i think that was because the people in our organization had the mindset that said you know this is this is really incredible that our entire operation is being shut down because we were face to face in person classes at that time but how do we how do we pivot and we did pivot but part of it was around how how we uh how we thought another thing might be around you know asking yourself what's the worst possible thing that can happen accepting that and then working back so often we generate just so much negativity and fear and worry because we think about all these bad things that are going to happen but the second that we accept all right let's what's the worst possible thing that could happen and then you work back from that it releases the ability to think with clarity and to build something. We, we say to ourselves, gosh, first of all, it's probably not going to happen. And second of all, even if it does happen, I can deal with that. I can work through that. Or where do I go from here? So, I mean, th- those were a couple of the things uh, he talked about. One, one other one that, I'll, that we talked about in the book, which is along uh, these lines, is cooperating with the inevitable. I mean, so much of the the challenge we have with change. Say we talk about change. There's a lot of change in the world and change is a constant, you know, but it's, it's our resistance to change. It's the fighting. It's the, it's the, the, the worry around it. But if we accept that some things are going to happen, then we can put ourselves in a position to build from that and to, to be more constructive in terms of, of of what, what kind of results we really want.
1: Well, let's talk about developing a positive mindset. This is something that Dale Carnegie talked a lot about because he understood that people, they want to be around cheerful people. That's that's something we I like to be around cheerful people. It's tough to be around mm-hmm. people who are Debbie Downers. Uh, what did Dale say about some practices we can incorporate to develop a more positive mindset? Well, one of the things he talked about was, and, and he, he says this kind of glibly, you know,
0: is, is it is it a bad thing for us to give ourselves a pep talk? Uh, and he says, no, it's not, you know, we, we, we have this voice in our heads or the, you know, kind of these thoughts that go through our minds and often they are negative. Um, they are, you can't do this or you're not very good, or why would you try that? You're just going to fail or, or, or whatever those things are. So, you know, part of his advice was to confront those kinds of, of, of thoughts, those voices, if you will, and into, into focus on the things that have worked for you, focus on, you know, your successes, Uh, you know, give yourself a pep talk. And and that's one of the things we talk about in the book as well, which is, you know, people are capable of so much more than they often think that they are. They've got to have focus on perspective, look back to look forward. And and if you can't do that for yourself, find someone who can help bring that out in you, have someone to talk to uh, who will reaffirm for you those positive things that are about who you are. But, um, but one of the things he, again, he talked about was, was give yourself a pep talk. He also talked about, you know, expecting, um, or counting your blessings. So this goes to, to mindset, looking at the things that are going right, instead of the things that are going wrong at any given time, we can think about the whole innumerable things in our lives that aren't the way that we want them to be. And his point is just, just time out, you know, what are the things that you're going to look at that, you know that are positive that you should have to be thankful for. He talks a lot about gratitude and how it's very difficult to be grateful and unhappy at the same time. Um, He encourages people to, to act, act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic, so to speak, or act, you know, with confidence and you'll be confident, put your shoulders back, put a smile on your face, you know, do some of these kinds of things that if you do them, you're going to start all of a sudden be- becoming and believing that. And, and why not? Because this is the life that you have. Why not live it fully?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people feel silly doing those things because it makes them feel like Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. Uh, but like the alternative, right. as you said, is, well, you can just be negative and feel unconfident. Un- unconfident. So just give it a shot. What do you got to lose? You don't have to do it in front of people. Like you can give yourself a pep talk you know, in your closet before you go off to work. You don't have to do it in front of people You know, <laughs> out in public.
0: That's right. I mean, I, I think you know over the years, and again, Dale was one of the first people to start to articulate these these ideas and these thoughts. So now, of course, all these years later, there's a whole range of other people out there who've done other kinds of things. He was never, you know, kind of the uh, the Stuart Smalley kind of a you know a mindset. You can do some of these things on your own. You can have the conversation in your own mind. But what he's basically saying is, you know, you, you need to focus. You need to think about how you want to think. And you can create the life that you want, if you if you think a certain way. He, he quotes, and one of the most powerful quotes in How to Stop Worrying and Start Living comes from the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, who says, you know, our lives are what our thoughts make it. Our lives are what our thoughts make it. So if, if I'm dwelling on just all the things that are going wrong, or all kinds of problems, then yeah, I probably can expect things aren't going to go very well for me. On the other hand, and and by the way, and Dale Carnegie is a global organization. We conduct research. And we've conducted research on resilience and agility. And part of what we found is that people who expect better results generally get them, and they get them because their mindset is conditioned to look for them, to look for opportunity. But but if my mindset is there is no opportunity. This is a failure. There's nothing good that's going to come from that. I'm not going to see those things, even though they could be right in front of my face.
1: One of the key insights that Dale Carnegie had, I'm going to quote it. I think this was in How to Win Friends and Influence People, but we're going to bring this back to how this applies to us individually. It's this. He says, when dealing with people, let us remember we are not dealing with creatures of logic. We are dealing with creatures of emotion. And we're probably going to talk about this when we talk about how to win friends and influence people. But this idea that we like to think we're rational agents, and we are to an extent, but we also have these emotions. What did Dale say about how we can get control of our emotions so that we can have those private victories in our own personal lives, but also have a control of our emotions so when we're dealing with other emotional creatures who might be difficult, we don't lose control ourselves and we can uh, influence these people in a positive direction. Any any tactics Dale uh, recommended on controlling our emotions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's such an important question. And I really appreciate kind of the way you, you framed it. He, you know, he, let's talk about other people first. Okay. So, so, you know, because the whole first set of principles, the first 30 principles that come from how to win friends and influence people, you know, are based on the idea that we're interacting with another person. And we just have to recognize, we may think in our minds, well, this person is thinking logically. So, if I if I've given appreciation to this person, or I think I've respected someone, or I've treated them a certain way, but but they're not necessarily thinking that way. They, there may be an emotional component to them. They may they may be perceiving something just based based on how you said something, or how you looked, or whatever the case might be. So, his point is: first of all, let's be aware of the fact that when we're, when we're interacting with other people, other people that they are creatures of emotion. They may be. Angry or upset or petty or whatever it is. And we have to take those things into consideration when we're acting or interacting with other people. So if I am a a boss, so to speak, or a supervisor and I've got someone I'm dealing with, I'm going to think first about our principle number one, which is don't criticize, condemn, or complain. There are ways that I can approach something with someone. It doesn't mean I'm not going to give feedback and it doesn't mean I'm not going to confront an issue. But it does mean that the, person's, the person may act defensively if the first thing I come in and say, Brett, you screwed up again. You know, I mean, how many times are we going to have this conversation, Brett? I mean, you know, so, so recognizing the emotional component and instead he might say something like, you know, look, begin in a friendly way, which is, okay, what can I appreciate about Brett? If I think Brett is really trying to do a good job and he's made a mistake, Let's focus on what he's done right first. Let's acknowledge some of those good things. So, so I'm thinking about kind of this emotional component about how someone's going to react emotionally. You can say almost anything if you say it the right way, but just recognize we're not computers. We're not just, you know, passing information back and forth. There's this emotional component to it.
1: Yeah, and I think if you have a better control of your emotions, let's say someone does something that just, like first response, it irritates you. Talk about your kid. Your kid does something, and your immediate response is lashing out. Dale would say, "Well, well, how's that working out for you? Did that make it better? Probably not." And so Dale would say, "Well, you need to get a better control of your own emotions, so that when you interact with others, uh, it's more successful."
0: That's right, and in fact, it's funny because some of these principles that he talks about in How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, these are easy in the abstract, but they're hard in practice, and they do require us to get kind of control of our own emotions so that we can effectively interact with somebody else. So if, you know, using the example you just gave of a a child who's done something wrong, if you come in with guns blazing, you're going to get one result. But, you know, part of what when Dale talks about leadership and being a leader he says, "Begin with praise and honest appreciation." That's hard when we're frustrated. If I'm frustrated with someone, and I'm going to start with with praise and honest appreciation, but it needs to be sincere. And, and if I do that, that person who's on the other end of that is going to respond, hopefully, in a in a much more constructive and positive way than if I just kind of come in and start to put them on the defensive, calling attention to people's mistakes indirectly versus you know, coming out and just, and we talk also about this idea of letting the other person save face. Um, You know, we, at at the emotional level, we all want to be appreciated and respected. And if we feel like those principles are being violated, we're going to be defensive. We might be resentful. We might be angry. We could probably all remember experiences that we've had with someone
1: who just attacked us and criticized us years later. It bothers us. So uh, yeah, some, you give some ideas on how you can g- get better control of your emotions. And it's really, it just comes down to being mindful of them, noticing them, asking questions like, why am I feeling this way? Labeling it. And that can go a long way to you know, harnessing your emotions for positive ends. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. And now back to the show. I want to delve deeper into the the, the how to win friends and influence people aspect of your book. So we've kind of been talking about uh, different practices that Dale recommended. I want to drill deeper into these, but I th- correct me if I'm wrong. I think the big insight that Dale Carnegie had in how to win friends and influence people is that you, in order to have success with other people, like you were saying earlier, you have to understand these are individuals with their own desires, needs, emotions, and the key to success in managing or working with other people is getting inside of their own head and trying to really figure out what they're thinking, feeling, et cetera. That's exactly right. You know, if there's one
0: kind of overriding principle, and I was, I was thinking about this prior to our, our interview from How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it's not, it's not necessarily spoken in this way by Dale, but it, it, it is that it's not about you. It, it's, you know, we we tend to think about things purely from our our own point of view. But part of what he's saying is, you know, think about the other person. And this also goes to public speaking. If you've got an audience, think about the audience. What does the audience need to hear? What is the audience feeling? And, and how do I interact with that audience? You know, one of the most important principles Dale talks about is our principle 17, try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view and and really think about how polarized our our world is Brett today right i mean it's it's you know how often do we really just take a step back and say oh, i really want to see how Brett's seeing this and i'm going to ask him questions i'm not going to i'm not going to attack i just really want to understand and you know from a personal standpoint to to give honest and sincere appreciation or to try to become genuinely interested in other people dale had, had said something i may not be quoting this exactly right but you can you can gain more friends in two months by becoming interested in them versus two years of trying to get them interested in you. So so the idea is we think about the other person, we honor the other person, we respect the other person. And that's also something that builds relationship, which is a goal that we all have. Our lives, so much of our lives are around strong connections, whether it's people with whom we work, whether it's our family members or friends. Sometimes we deal with difficult people around us. You know, so so being really skilled at interacting with other people is super important, not just practically from from a a work standpoint or so forth, but also just from a life satisfaction standpoint. I mean, so much of our happiness comes down to the quality of our relationships. And and so much of this then comes down to, it kind of goes back to what you're saying here, putting myself, I want to say, in checking myself and really focusing on that other person.
1: Well, I think another, you you keyed in on another big takeaway that I took from how to win friends and influence people. So first one is if you want to really have success with people, you need to mentalize, that is get inside their head and try to figure out how they're seeing things or feeling things. But the other second principle is if you want to win friends and influence people, and you said this, you got to make people feel important. And I think this is a key insight into human nature that Carnegie uh, unearthed in this book. In fact, he quotes several prominent thinkers through the ages who talk about humans' need for recognition. You know, he said, John Dewey said, the deepest urge in human nature is, is the desire to be important. Uh, William James, the father of psychology, said, the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And then there's this other insight from Craig Rochelle. He is a uh, he's a pastor here of a, of a big church in Oklahoma, but he's got a leadership podcast. And he has this thing that he says that really sticks with me. I think about it a lot. He says that the thing that people crave the most is to be noticed and needed, and uh, I think Dale really he he mined that and he saw this is really important. If you want to really have influence over people, you need to help them feel important, and then the rest of the principles and how to win friends and influence people are designed to help you do just that.
0: They are. I mean, that's that's really well put, and you know that quote that you had about the craving to be appreciated. I mean, is something that was so important to him. He said it multiple times in How to Win Friends. That people have this, it, and think about the word craving. You could use a different word, but th- this, you know, every single person, we all have this this deep desire to be appreciated, to be respected, to be valued. And even if we think about in in a workplace, what's the, one of the main reasons that people leave jobs? It's because they don't feel appreciated. What's what's one of the main reasons people leave marriages? Is because you know they don't feel valued and appreciated. So the principles. And this is why the Dale Carnegie program is so life-changing for so many people who really internalize and live these, and, and these, I, I want to think, say too, this is not, these are not just techniques. These these are, This is a, as Dale would say, it's a way of living. It's a way of treating people. It's a way of honoring people so that you can make them feel important, so that you can be honest and sincere, so you can build strong relationships, so you can have a happier life. But one of the huge outputs we see with Dale Carnegie programs and one of the main reasons, by the way, that we wrote Take Command, because we wanted to write a book that would take Dale Carnegie principles and ideas, all the ones we're talking about, and get them to a younger audience, say, a, a 18 or 20 to 45, 50-year-old audience, people who may not be familiar with, as you or I am, Brett, uh, How to Win Friends or How to Stop Worrying. But but the the truisms, the things that Dale talked about 85 years ago, are every bit as true today as they were then, what is different. I mean, the world is different. As you said, technology is different. The way we interact is is, is different. But that craving to be appreciated, that desire to be respected and valued is is
1: true. Yeah, I I would say that I think a lot of people are really craving that today in the 21st century because our our world has become more atomized. It's hyper-individualistic. People don't belong to small groups where they might have gotten that healthy attention and appreciation before so I think a lot of people, there, there. They, I mean, you'd you'd be surprised, like how, like what a compliment would do for somebody at work. Because oftentimes you're these big, you work, you're at an office, and you're one of maybe thousands, and you can feel just like in an anonymous drone. And if you just have one person say, "Hey, I really appreciate what you did with this X thing," you can make that person's day or week completely. And it's
0: funny because we underestimate sometimes the power and the impact of our words. But that person in the example you gave might go home and just be on a a, a, you know, complete, a cloud nine, so to speak, but talking about it and remembering that. And, and it could also, they, they can build on it. You know, when, when we're recognized for things, you know, we, we want to continue to improve on those things. So it's one of the things that, that Dale had talked about was, you know, you praise the slightest improvement, praise every improvement. If we have a child that, that's learning to walk um, you know, we we don't criticize the child when they fall down. You say, it's hey, great, keep on going. You could do it, you're gonna get it. And we can do the same kinds of things in terms of our interaction with other people. And when we give people and 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 he's very careful about the words he uses, he says honest and sincere appreciation. It's not just, you know, it's not flattery, it's not fake, it's gotta be what comes from your heart. If I'm gonna give you a compliment, Brett. You know, for that compliment to be honest and sincere, you know, versus something that's just passing, that's something that can have a huge impact on people, as you correctly said, you know, for short term and long term as well.
1: I think that's a good point you made. I think someone could read how to Win Friends and Influence People and see these list of suggestions or tactics and just see them just as tactics and and say, oh, I can use this to manipulate people to get what I want. Uh, and Dale would say no. Like if you're doing that, then you're missing the whole point. There has to be an underlying sincerity for this to really work in the long term. I think some of these things could work in the short term, but in the long term, if you don't have that sincerity, uh, it's going to wind up biting you in the butt. No question.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, I, he he spoke to that directly because I think even at the time he published How to Win Friends, people might say that he was he was accused. Well, these things are you know, are these things manipulations? And he was very clear. This is about the way you live, the way you treat people. It's about treating people the right way. And if you are simply, I mean, if you're simply using these kinds of ideas in a manipulative way, you know, people see that they can tell when they're being flattered. And and, and that's certainly not what his intention was. His intention was really to help people build better relationships and and, and really discover things in themselves. It's interesting because there's a great thing he says in the beginning of How to Win Friends, which is, you know, the sole purpose of this book is to help you discover, develop, and profit by, he says, those these dormant and unused assets, right? So in, in the prior part of the book, this professor William James, who you mentioned, I think, earlier, you know, had said, compared to what we ought to be, we're only half awake. We're making use of only a small part of our physical and mental resources. So we, we possess so much more capability than, than we even know. And these approaches are things that can help us unlock that, unlock our confidence, unlock our relationships with other people, our, um,
1: our abilities. So what are some day-to-day things that people can do to show appreciation to other people? What I would say is start even small
0: um you know sometimes especially it's the beginning of the year and and people often have a whole range of goals and things that they want to do but you know one thing we do in our Dale Carnegie programs we might say pick one person in your life an important person in your life it could be at home it could be at work it could be whatever but someone who's important in your life that you need to have a better relationship with and practice one principle apply one principle you know from how to Win Friends and Influence People, and usually from maybe the first say nine chapters because those are really about you know that that initial how do you start developing a, a better relationship with people. So you might say, look, I'm going to give honest and sincere appreciation to so and so. So go do that today, one thing today, and and see what happens. You know, or maybe you start to make that a habit. And you say, I'm gonna. And what I used to do when I took this program was I would apply one principle every day for a week, I would just practice. I'd say, all right, this week, I'm going to focus on, and it was hard, and I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm still not very good at it, is, you know, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Because exactly like you said, you know, earlier, you know, know, we don't want to be around people who are just negative and complaining and down all the time. It's like, you know, this is contagious. So I might say, what could I do? I could say, you know, today, for one day, or this week, I'm really going to pay attention to the words that are coming out of my mouth. I want to make sure that I'm not going to criticize, condemn, or complain. And maybe not just out of my mouth. Maybe it's the things I type on social media or the comments I make or whatnot. But but if someone said, I'm going to have an awareness of how I am presenting in the world, how I, what what energy and what I'm putting out there, um, you know,
1: that could be something. Let's talk about something that Dale talked about and you also talked about in uh, Take Command is a lot of these principles of giving appreciation to other people and making them feel important it's easy when you like the person it's hard when the person is you don't like them they're difficult what insights from dale carnegie can we glean on how to help people feel important and appreciated when boy it's really like the last like the last thing you want to do
0: yeah and it's it's and that's real life right i mean there are people that you know, when we when we think about them or see them, we might be like, oh, gosh, I, I know this is not going to be a good interaction. But part of what I would say Dale would start at is, you know, number one, in he had a great quote. He quotes Ralph Waldo Emerson as someone who said, every person I meet is my superior in some way in that I learn from them. So, you know, he might even take somebody that is not uh, a favorite person and say, well, what can I learn from this person? or allow that person to talk and to listen, even if you don't like what, they're, what they are going to say, but just go through the exercise of, you know, going back to trying to see things from their point of view. I think Dale's perspective was that, you know, in most cases, you're going to find something. If you if you put your own guard down and you try to focus on that person, you're going to find something uh, redeeming. And if you do, that can be the beginning of, of something you build on. Uh, now, one of the things we talk about and take command. We have a chapter on dealing with difficult people, and you know, part of the reality is that we need to have boundaries for how we're going to let people treat us. And do we communicate those boundaries? Sometimes, let me give an example. Let's just say that I have a boss who gives me a project, and I'm like, oh gosh, here he comes again. He's going to give me too much, and so forth. Okay, but have you have you let the boss know that you're overwhelmed? Have you um, had a conversation about you know if you take this on the impact it's going to have on something else sometimes we don't say anything we don't even open our mouths you know so you know when we are dealing with those difficult people we might also start with a you know what are my boundaries and and am i have i communicated my boundaries often we make assumptions about what people are thinking about us or what they're going to do when in fact, it's our assumptions that are the problem. Sometimes we're the problem because we're blaming other people, but, but we ourselves might have an impact on improving that relationship.
1: I think that's a good point. I think a lot of people struggle with that, or at least I struggle with that, the boundary thing. And the problem that I have is I don't communicate them to other people. And I just assume, well, you should just know. You should just know that this is unacceptable. They don't know. They don't, they don't know. And that's, you go back to Dale Carnegie, he would say, Brett, uh, that's a completely different person they have no clue what you're thinking in order for that to, to happen, you have to communicate your boundaries.
0: Absolutely. Right. And give people, the benefit of the doubt, at least in the beginning, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, the, it it is rumored and I don't know if this is true, you know, Dale Carnegie and how to win friends has 30 principles and it's rumored that he had considered a 31st principle, which is that if none of these principles work, kick them in the shins and leave. But, um, (laughs) That never made the book, so I, I guess it's kind of just uh, maybe more of a, a story. But um, you know, I think he would say you really try to work with people and you think about how you can work with people. And in some cases, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. But you do everything you can to give people the benefit of the doubt and and try to build the best relationship you can. But there are some situations where you know, you need to break the relationship where you say you shouldn't be around someone who's going to be persistently negative or someone who's just going to bring you down or someone who's, who's acting in a way that violates your values or your principles. So,
1: you know, there is a place for that too. Yeah, you got to kick them in the shins. <laughs> so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, whenever I've done that, it seems to go better. Every now and then you get burned, but that, I think it's the, the price you got to pay for just having a good trust, trustworthy society. Let's talk about this third section, which is about developing a vision for your life. I'm curious, how did this come out of Dale Carnegie's work? Or is this something that developed after how to win friends and influence people and uh, how to stop worrying were written?
0: Yeah, so this third part of the book is really comes from the Dale Carnegie course. So just to take it one step back, and I think you've done a great job of of touching on this. The, the first part of Take Command is take command of your thoughts and emotions. You know, so if you I mean you you can't you can't do anything if you can't take command of yourself first. How do you deal with stress and worry? How do you deal with you know negativity or negative thoughts and so forth? You build in yourself that resilience. And so that comes from how to stop worrying and start living. And then we've built on that. The second part how to win friends. It comes from how to win friends and influence people it's take command of your relationships. So all the wisdom of Dale Carnegie, we've synthesized and built on in that second part. So this third part, which goes to your question about where did this come from is take command of your future. You know, what's your vision for yourself? Are you living an intentional life? And so in the Dale Carnegie course, and these are, are courses that come, you know, you could take a three-day Dale Carnegie course or an eight week or 12 week, there's different versions of this, but they all focus on this idea of being intentional um, of taking risk of of you know, sometimes and, and I don't know about you, Brett. I, I've certainly had the occasion where you say you get on social media and you find yourself scrolling, you're scrolling, the next thing you know, an hour's gone by. You're like, oh my gosh, where'd that time go? And if that's what you wanted to do, that's fine. But but our lives can often get caught up in these these unintentional, unintentional activities. And so days go by or you get caught up in to-do lists and so forth, days and weeks and months all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh years have gone by. So so in the Dale Carnegie course we focus on in, in part 3 of take command we focus on what's important to you Brett. What's important to you know you to is it, is it your family is it your is it your friends is it your future is it your faith is it your fitness what is it? You know but What's the what's the future like that you want for yourself? And then what are the things you need to do to kind of go in that direction? Because at the end of the day, if someone's reading Take Command, we want them to be able to live the life that they want. And you can't do that if you don't know what kind of life you want. So that's that's a lot of where that came from.
1: So the, yeah, the first part is just developing a vision for your life. And there's some you offer some great questions of reflection that people can ask themselves, practices of developing maybe a vision statement that's going to guide all the big decisions you make. And I I love how you laid it out in the book. And then also I talk about, you know, making sure you develop a life of meaning. I think oftentimes when people think about self-improvement, they're thinking about how can I advance my career, how to make more money, how can I get more fit? But what you do in that last chapter is talk about, well, that's that's all fine and good, but don't forget to develop a life of meaning. And that often comes through serving others. That's right. I mean,
0: so often... We can be, especially when we're younger, very self-focused, and, and and understandably so. We're focused on our careers and getting established and so forth. But if we talk to people who are at the end of their lives and they're reflecting on their lives, and, and so many surveys have have talked about this, you know, people will often regret things that they didn't do or re- relationships that they didn't repair, or you know, just they they maybe thought that they would have had more of an impact and. We think it's very important to think about, you know, how do you want to be remembered or what impact can you have? And it doesn't have to be, you know, we certainly have some stories and some examples of people who had massive impact. You know, um, someone who is just so upset about the oceans that she starts the largest sustainable ocean alliance in the world. You know, so there are those kinds of things, certainly. But then we also have, you know, stories about people. I tell a story about my father, who was a recovering alcoholic, who spent 51 years without a drink, and you know, who who touched people around him and encouraged them to stay sober. I mean, so we we can have impacts as you, you as a father. You, you you know, you were talking about your son and and wanting your son to be um, successful and thriving as he gets older, and you're working with him. I mean, that that's impact. But it starts with you saying, this is how I want to spend my time. You're not spending your time at that particular point doing something else. You're making time for your son. And this part of the book is really an important section that gets to what's important to you. Take some time and think about what are your values? Who are the people? What's the vision you want for yourself? What's the impact you want to have?
1: Yeah, you talk, you quote, we've had David Brooks on the podcast talk about the second mountain, and it's an idea that's really had a big impact on the way I think about My life trajectory, and uh, you know, he has this idea. There's uh, there's two mountains, and I think Richard Rohr, he's a Franciscan monk, has this idea as well. I think that's where David Brooks got it from. But he's like the first mountain of life is you know our typical what we typically think of success goals, uh, getting a career, going to college, getting fit, and then he says there's this second mountain that we'll have to summon in life, and that's about it's not about the opportunities of the first mountain. It's um, about kind of rejecting them and looking for uh, more of a life of meaning, and that. And like it could, that could look different for, for different people. It could be you, you spend time doing community service with uh, you know, children or a sports team, or it could be like you're a grand grandfather and you're going to spend more time with your, with your grandkids. It's going to, the second mountain usually chooses you. Uh, I think.
0: That's right. And often it's, it's based on your situation and it, it does choose you. I think it also connects to your values though. I mean, so in other words, it's, it, you know, there's there's that saying that um, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And and I think that's true a little bit about legacy when, you know, there's certain things that are important to us, certain things that connect to uh, our meaning. And, you know, we, we might, as we look around, see things that connect to those. And that's great. So go, go toward those things, whether it's, as you said, I mean, it, it could be your family or it could be, your, you know, people around you at work. It could be Something larger or some sort of a legacy kind of a thing. But, you know, the reality is that, you know, we are in a life right now and this is the life that we have. And yeah, as I said in the book, and my dad always used to say, we're not, no one gets out alive. So, <laughs> you know, in every day that we have, um, and again, I, I say this not in a macabre or a negative way, in a way to cherish the value of every single day. But, you know, every day that you, you have is one less day that you have left. So we've got to really. Make those days count. And if we, and this goes back even to mindset, if we've got the right mindset, boy, we can see opportunity all around us. We can see wonderful things and gifts and just great things around us if we have our minds open to that.
1: Well, Joe, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work?
0: So, the first place I'd say is dalecarnegie.com, that is really all about uh, our, our Dale Carnegie organization. Um, also, there's a a site, which is um, takecommand.com. They can also go to takecommandbook.io, which will take them directly to Amazon to buy the book if they want to do that. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and Twitter with the uh, the handle of Joseph K. Hart. So people can follow me, certainly, and, and I'll continue to share uh, insights and experiences and things as I go along my way. But um, yeah, the, those are all different things. And if people... You know, my my hope would be too. I, you know, I hope that people, you know, have the mindset of of wanting to get better. I mean, I'm assuming Brett that because they're listening to your podcast and you've got a phenomenal podcast and and site and organization that you you lead, that they are interested in in self improvement. Um, the single most valuable thing I've ever done for my self improvement was to take a Dale Carnegie course. Um, so I would certainly encourage people who are open to that to do that. But reading how to win friends, reading how to stop worrying, reading Take Command, those are things also that can help people on their journey. And and that's really our hope. Our hope is to have an impact that was Dale's hope. You know, Dale really cared about
1: people and and helping people live the life that they wanted to lead. Well, Joe Hart, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Brett. My guest today was Joe Hart. He's the co-author of the book, Take Command. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find more information about Dale Carnegie and Associates at dalecarnegie.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is Carnegie, where you can find links to resources, where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM podcast. Make sure to check out our website at artofmanliness.com, where you can find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles written over the years about pretty much anything you'd think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the A1 podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code Manly at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android iOS, and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the A1 podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, it's Brett McKay. Remind you to only listen when podcast, but put what you've heard into action.